Today is Wednesday, August 9th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Uh, as we wake up, let's hear about my first world problems. I mean, as far as first world problems go, it's it's a pretty big one. Um, then we talk about the uh, Wisconsin teen who was arrested for preaching and reading the Bible in a loudspeaker at a drag queen event. I believe that's what we decided it was. <laughs> we, we Well, I guess I said we post the article. You won't know that. Um, anyways, but it's it's all over the news. It's the, the drag queen, I think, um, what was it, parade or event or reading or something like that that was interrupted by this uh, teenager preaching, um, you know, Christianity and reading Bible verses, and the police arrested him for it. So we talk about that and get some reasoned approaches and thoughts. And then we go on to talking about uh, some other topics, other stuff, other, you know, did Moses uh, have any idea of the Trinity? Did he have any inclination of of things are not all as they seem, or what What did Moses think about uh, the Trinity? Did, did he have any idea of it? Did he have no idea whatsoever of it? Did he have some questions on his mind about it? And then we end up talking about uh, Matthew, oh, is it 5? Matthew 5, um, the part about the fulfillment of the law, where Jesus says, you know, I haven't come to abolish the law, but, uh, you know, none of it will pass away, but to fulfill the law. And as much as we should not have a problem with with words, People do. So they're like, fulfill, you're saying it's done away with. And the Bible says it's not done away with. I'm like, I'm reading the same thing. Like, I promise, I'm not that dumb. Um, maybe pretty but dumb, but not that dumb. I'm not so dumb that I read, it won't pass away, and then I read, fulfilled, and then I say, pass away. Like, like not many people are that bad. So no, clearly, when I say fulfilled, when the Bible, when Jesus says fulfilled, we don't mean pass away. Because it just said it will not pass away. But he's come to fulfill. So it's completed, it's done, it's held in perpetuity in its completed, fulfilled state. It is not abolished. It is not gone away. Oh, goodness, I'm saying the same thing over again. Just listen, you're going to hear all this again. Anyway, so then we end on a good point. Um, you know, there's a couple people that come in here. One guy was talking about the Greek or whatever. Um, oh, I should have asked him. You know, every time someone's like, read this in the original Greek. Like, there's some scholar. I want to Like, sometimes I've done that before. I'm just like, someone's like, hey, you, you, you know, you have your degrees. You have your, uh, you know, all of your training in Greek and blah, blah, blah. And you're a Greek scholar. I'm like, hey, you know, just for giggles, if I was at a uh, Mediterranean shop, could you order like a, you know, could you order like a euro and, uh, you know, like a side of falafel? Can you do that in Greek? They're like, oh, I actually don't speak Greek. I'm like, but you're a Greek scholar, right? You've got, you've got your degrees and, you know, accreditation of man in this language and you appeal to it, but you don't speak it. <laughs> um, anyways. Oh my gosh. There was one guy that actually was Greek. Oh, boneheaded Nate. Maybe he left. Like there was a guy in the podcast today that was specifically like, I am Greek. And like, you know, he, he had an accent and I believe he, he is a native Greek speaker. Um, I don't know if I, I, I think he left during that time, but I got to get him back. Be like, hey man, would you indulge these people? Um, you know, we have like the, these people with degrees and accreditation in Greek, but they don't speak it. Um, can you speak it in the Greek? Greek speaker? Anyways, it doesn't matter. That's the point. So like read it in the Greek, read it in the Greek. I'm like, I can read it in any language you want. Um, you know, we could translate and have Google read it in Greek. It doesn't matter. The point is, if you're messing up something so simple, doing it in a different language is not going to help you. Um, like, well, why didn't you use this word? Why didn't you use that word? Why don't you repent and believe the gospel? <laughs> um, anyway, <clears throat> and then it finally comes to a comes to an end when you know I point out that hey, by the way, this law was never for Gentiles. 
I don't know why it took me so long. Maybe I was just trying to indulge them. Or, no, I wasn't. I was trying to explain what the heck we mean. Like, why do you have such a problem when we say fulfilled and fulfilled doesn't mean abolished? I, I guess I just got lost in that rabbit trail because I'm like, I don't know why you think that. I keep saying fulfilled does not mean abolished. And you keep saying, I think fulfilled means abolished. <laughs> no one thinks that except you think I think that apparently. Um, anyway, but yeah, so it finally comes to a standstill, so learn from my mistakes. When someone's like, what about the law? What about the law? I'll be like, you're a Gentile. This was never your law, ever. <laughs> Just ever. Okay, so <laughs> I have wasted so much time on this. Um, let's see. Check out the Ask a Christian book. Grab a t-shirt. You can find the links there in the description. Uh, if we can't pay bills, we won't be here. Um, you know, it's not like we have huge overhead, but, you know, uh, podcast hosting, web hosting, streaming, it costs some money, and I am not the richest person on earth. So if you like civil discussions about Christianity and a bunch of Bible-believing, God-fearing Christians who love Jesus, who try to share the gospel with people, if you like that and support that, you know, grab a t-shirt, grab a coffee cup, if not, whatever. Um, you know, I, I, uh, that's the goal, and I think, you know, based on the survey, someone brings up how most of Christian youth in, like, the Christian youth group or the, the survey they, that was done, they think that uh, Christianity and, like, the ultimate goal of God is just kind of like, you know, God wants you to be happy, and you should just be a good person, and that's it, which that's, like, the worst thing you could think of about Christianity. I mean, maybe you could say God wants you to be bad. Maybe that would be worse, technically. But no, being a good person is not the ultimate point. You should be a good person, but you can be a good moral person by the standards of the world and still be just as unsaved and spend eternity apart from God in hell um, as someone who is a bad person. So, no, the point is you need to repent, stop what you're doing that you know you should stop anyways, and believe Jesus and rely on him to save you, forgive you, make you born again, and give you eternal life. People need to be told this. Um, anyway, so, sure. Um, is that all I got to say? Yeah, share these links and we'll see what happens. As long as I can afford internet bills, then we'll keep doing this. And I mean, I guess not, I, 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 I guess, why do I need a podcast, right? Um, maybe I should just like get on my phone and throw stuff on YouTube until, you know, YouTube like finally comes across like, oh, this guy's talking about Jesus too much. Oh, this guy's holding to biblical values too much. Uh, we got to ban him. Um, and then I, I don't know, there's probably some seedy place of the internet I can go, um, where I won't get banned and I can do this for free. Uh, so that may happen. Anyways, um, take care. <laughs> Be happy. Um, nothing is better um, to wake up to. Y yeah, first world problem time. Here's my first world problem today. I go outside. I you know I woke up yesterday is my anniversary. Uh, you know I made it. Woohoo! Um, Fifteen years. So uh, anyway, so I Congrats. I wake up this morning. Oh, thanks. I wake up this morning and uh, I'm like, all right, puppy, let's take you outside. Let's have a nice start to our day. I'm all sleepy eyed and, you know, waking up. I'm not a morning person at all. I, I like peace and quiet in the morning until I get going. So I, I go out in the garage and I hear, oh, man, the mowers aren't supposed to be here today. Ah, oh, that's so annoying. And then I open my garage door. Lo and behold, it's not the mowers because, uh, you know, our HOA we pay and like there's a group of people that comes in and mows everyone's yards at once. So you don't have like equipment and mowers and annoyances going on uh, every day of the week you have it all at once and then it's done except my neighbor directly across the road loves to mow his yard constantly so apparently the once a week that is already included is not enough so i open the garage door he's like hey good morning i'm like ah 
and he's out with his leaf blower. He's got his lawnmower. I'm like, bro, it is 7.46 a.m. Come on. So, oh, I'm ready to fight. <laughs> Let someone come in here and talk about Islam. <laughs> oh, yeah, there'd be anyway. a ritual. Yeah, there'd be a ritual killing. Uh, Sir, about, this uh, guy will mow his yard like twice a week. In addition to the once a week, everyone already gets their yard done. It yeah, is we like, yeah, we used to have a neighbor like that. And uh, thankfully, he moved away. Um, because he would, like, so he would, uh, you know, like cutting your grass is one thing. But this guy was, and I don't use this term lightly, fanatical. He would he would cut his grass in like three different directions to get like that uh, that pattern in the grass. And then he would use this edger to go around all the edging of it. Uh, and then he would use a leaf blower to blow all of the grass clippings off of his lawn. So cutting his lawn would take about three hours. And we're talking about an area that's probably about um, 400 square feet. And I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. And, and he did that twice a week. And, and it, it got to the point where like, you know, we would be, you know, we'd be in the house and we, you know, we hear the stuff and like, oh, you know, here he goes again. Um, and, uh, it was just, yeah, it was, yeah, he, he, he's the only neighbor that I've ever had that truly pushed me to like a maniacal edge. <laughs> and I know people have their pet projects and, you know, everyone thinks everyone else's project is a little weird, but man, this is unhealthy. Like this is this is crazy, right? Like, I don't know what my pet project is. I guess this, like jumping online and, you know, arguing with people about God. Um, some people probably think that's weird, but I don't know, man, like whether it's like food or exercise or, you know, I don't know, like everyone's got their little pet projects and some of them, like the lawn care one, man, I just don't get, it is annoying as all heck. Does he get yard of the month at least? We don't even have something like that. That doesn't exist. <laughs> you should create. No, Nate, here's how you troll the dude is you create yard of the month in your HOA and then make sure that he never gets the award no matter what he does. Chris, that's that oh my is gosh. That is, that, is, that is amazing. Are you even a Christian right now, Chris? No, is, that, well, that exactly. Is, you, you, took the, you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, that is like Michael nice, level and maniacal. Exactly. That's a nice Christian attitude to take. Um, but no, it, it's, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a weird, it's a weird uh, thing. Uh, but to answer your question, Nate, about whether or not this is weird. So the other day, I think, it, I guess it was Monday when you were on and uh, I, I came on and my wife, so my wife and I were both working from home on Monday. It was technically a holiday in Canada, but we both ended up doing some work anyway. Um, like when I say holiday, like a civic holiday kind of thing. Anyway, that's what holidays um, are for extra work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we ended up doing a, a little bit of work and, you know, I mean, like most days, even like today working from home, guess what I'm doing? Talking to you. Um, yeah. So, well, it's only eight forty, so I'm not technically working yet, but anyway, <laughs> um, so, so my wife hears me talking in the background and she's like, what are you doing? And, you know, I kind of explained it to her briefly. I talked about it before. And so she's partially listening in and the eye rolls, like her eyes, like I could hear the rolling of her eyes. It was so, uh, it, and it was really funny. And then afterwards I'm like, I'm like, do you think it's, and she's like, and I, what I said to her is, do you think it's kind of, and then she finished a word with crazy. Uh, yes. So yeah, that's the, uh, the, the consensus in the Stewart household is, uh, we're nuts. So, so Michael, um, 
the one thing that you have going for you is that you live in the socialist paradise of Canada. Eventually, they're going to take all the private property away, and then you won't have to worry about your neighbor mowing the grass anymore. He won't own grass any longer. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Well, that's... That it, sometimes it feels that way given the, the percentage in property taxes that we pay. All right. Let's get away from the hoa hive mind now that we've got some more people. Um, <laughs> good conversation, Michael. I'm glad that you you know you share my pain and uh, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm that's a great idea, also, Chris. Hey, hey, do you get a chance to mention to your wife about the uh, coexisting? Yeah. It, well, um, yes, I did. And uh, and when I explained it like that, she just said, "Hmm, interesting." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you know, much like it. it, it it's funny. Uh, Shannon, my wife's name, uh, Shannon and I are very much on the same page when it comes to most of this stuff. Um, she is, she doesn't understand why I do the things that I do. Now that's an incredibly broad statement. So I'll explain. Um, like she is also an atheist, but she's just, she's more of like what I've co- what I've heard kind of termed as an apatheist. So she doesn't believe, she doesn't care if you believe just like, don't bring it to my lawn. Like that's the, that's the extent of her. Like a Dutch uh, atheist. Pretty, yeah, kind of. She's like, she's like, I, I don't believe, and I don't want to talk about it. Pretty much is is, is the extent of uh, where she goes with it. And so she oh. doesn't understand. She she doesn't get what I do. She's like, why do you, what you know, why do you do this? I'm like, you know, why do you do the things you do? Because I enjoy it. I'm like, that's why I do it. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? She thinks you have a weird pet project. That's <laughs> so a wife not understanding her husband. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I'm going to send you an Ask a Christian shirt someday, Michael. It, so it's funny. So, <laughs> so we're both uh, we're both um, pretty hardcore Formula One fans, and my my favorite team is Red Bull. I'm a Max Verstappen fan, um, and my wife is not. So she she got this she got this shirt. It was hysterical. I, I laughed so hard. I have to send you a picture of it. So she comes down the stairs on a Sunday morning just before uh, a couple weeks ago, the Belgian Grand Prix before the, uh, before the summer break. And the shirts are like white shirt, capital block letters. I'm a hardcore Christian on the front of this shirt. Oh, you told me this. Yes. And then turns around and says Horner hater with a picture of Christian Horner. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. We, we all, we all have our, we all have our things. That's for sure. How was your anniversary by the way? What'd you do? Uh, you know, it was it was good. We we let some neighbors uh, who are, have friends with our kids. They they watched our little gremlins, and uh, we just went out and had a nice, quiet, romantic dinner with rose petals and candlelight and all that stuff. And, Fancy. Uh, man, they put a they put a premium on that. Uh, anyway, so we had all these plans. We're like, oh, we're gonna go up to this. Uh, we're like downtown our area, and they have like these like hotels with like rooftop areas, um, like rooftop bars and restaurants and areas and stuff like up in the sky. So we're, we're going to go uh, do that and we're going to like, you know, go, go get some like, uh, you know, snacks to take home and like hang out and, you know, watch movies together and had all these great plans. And we, we, I don't know if gluttony is the right word, but we uh, indulged greatly at dinner and uh, we're like, uh, you still want to go there? You still want to get that? We're like, oh, it's our anniversary. We should. It's like, uh, you just want to go home. So yeah, it was decided. The consensus of two was, yeah, we we are stuffed. We're full. We're miserable. Um, we're just gonna go home. <laughs> so we just came home and watched some TV, and uh, then picked our kids up. 
anyways, uh, we're, we're all happy. Talking right there. That's yeah, so I mean, no all we need is to, uh, all we need is love, right? Anyway, so all of our great plans like went out the window, but we, we were happy. Uh, let's see. Oh, I meant to say, Michael, if you have any pet, uh, we don't have one that fits snakes, but, but we did just get the ability for uh, uh, dog shirts uh, with the Ask Your Christian logo. So if anyone has a little puppy that uh, you know loves Jesus, check that out. Okay, anyways, what's up, Billy? How are you, Billy? Are you speaking, Billy? Billy? What up? Hello, everyone. What's up? How are you? What's up? How's it mind? going, everybody? Good, good, chilling. Yeah, lots of stuff. Pretty cool. Topics of interest? Um, shit, yeah, no, I'm just listening to you guys, seeing how everything's doing. Well, how about you, Victoria? Welcome. Oh, hello. Thank you. Wow, that is a funny PTR. It <laughs> <laughs> looks like a sheep llama. A llama? It's a chunky llama. Oh, that is hilarious. Do you do, do people oh, shear llamas? Do people use like llama fur as as wool? Oh, interesting question. I I don't know. Think there there's definitely farms here for llamas. Huh. I don't know what they do with. Them. Well, gee, if no one else has a topic, how about the uh, how about the Christian teenager who was uh, pretty roughly arrested in I Wisconsin for preaching Bible verses? The what? Do you tell? There is, uh, in, in Wisconsin, because uh, yeah. there are some who talk about Christian persecution does not exist, thinking, oh my goodness, kind of like the um, the uh, oppression yesterday only fit a very narrow definition of enslavement and discounting all other forms of it. So kind of like people will say Christian persecution in America like is non-existent, thinking that it must mean they, they like literally have to be fed to lions or it doesn't count. Um, discounting all the other forms. I mean, I'd say arrest is a pretty decent form. Anyway, so what happened? There's this article I meant to post it, but it is. I mean, it's all over the news. You can find it. But this Wisconsin uh, teenager. There is this. Um, I don't know if it's specifically an LGBT BS rally, um, or or if it's just like some some sort of secular rally or whatever. But there is some some group of people already like having an event, and this uh, this teenager probably looked like maybe 17 to 19, something like that. Um, went out and he had a, a little speaker, not, not even like a megaphone. It was just like a microphone with like a speaker, like a guitar amp type size thing. And uh, like one of the small ones uh, that you can pick up and walk around with. And he had something like that. And he was just reading, I think he's just reading the Bible. I don't even think he was preaching. I think he's just reading Bible verses. Um, and anyway, so he got arrested. Like you, you see him surrounded, like cops come up and start talking to him. Um, you know, he starts talking to the cop and like a couple more very zealous cops uh, come up. And they like reach out and like kind of grab his arm roughly. And another guy like kind of grabs his arm from the back and like jerks it and like kind of twists it like pretty, you know, if it was anyone else, they'd be like, police brutality. Um, anyway, so so what actually the charges were, were, you know, I support law and order. So if he was doing something illegal, fine, give him the penalty. And he was. So uh, by the time it was all said and done, he was arrested for uh, because you need permits to use like an amplified uh, system, which he had. So he had a, had a microphone and a speaker. So in, in that city or whatever, you, you had to have permits. So he was violating that. But the penalty for violating that is a fine or a ticket uh, to you know pay or appear in court. Um, the penalty is not arrest. 
So I would say that qualifies as persecution. If the, the pen, he did something illegal, which he did, or a civil violation, the penalty is give the guy a ticket and tell him to leave. Uh, what happened was he was pretty roughly arrested. Anyway, so I put uh, the link in your uh, I put the link in your um uh, in your DM, uh, Nate, and I also put it in the chat. Oh, okay. If anyone wants to read that, just click on chat. Yep, it's a video of it too, so you can see like all the the stuff Nate's describing. Pretty pretty wild. Yeah, there's a couple of I haven't watched just because I, I haven't watched it because I was listening to you, um, and it so it looks like from what I saw it was. So the first the first video that comes up it says uh, on YouTube it says teen arrested while preaching the gospel during drag queen event. Um, then it says yeah, that's what it was. And then it says uh, another one says you know during LGBT pride event. So I guess it's unclear as to what it was some type of. Uh, some type of pride event, whether it be drag queen or otherwise. Um, but yeah, I was listening to you, so I haven't watched any of the videos yet. But I've got it queued up, and uh, I've got it queued up on the YouTube's. Yeah. So, what do you, um, you know, t- taking our word, like you know, everything we said is totally true. Um, I, I would try to be fair and say what I said, which is, you know, the guy wasn't making any friends. He wasn't doing something that would be that would be nice or conducive to civility, because you know he's he's purposely doing things that he knows are going to be antagonistic. Uh, but, you know, he's carrying out his sincerely held religious beliefs, and he thinks people should hear that. Um, so so he's following his convictions, presumably. Um, he knows it's going to cause a problem, and he knows he's violating the law, um, and he knows the penalty is, you know, fine or ticket. Um, but then the part I have a problem with is, you know, as far as being nice, that – um, and live peaceful as much as it depends on you. But then the part I have a problem with is they went above and beyond and they didn't follow their own penalty guidelines. They arrested the guy. Um, so that's me being as fair as I can in the situation. What would you say, Michael? Would you say that that is an example of, quote, persecution that may not include like death or dismemberment, but it's definitely treating people how you would not treat other people? Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, I want to dig into it. Like I said, I've got the video queued up. I'll, I'll listen to it later. So my first thought would be, so like very, like very personally, um, like if, like if I, cause I have attended pride parades, like Toronto has the second largest pride parade in North America next to San Francisco. It's, it's glorious. Um, and I've gone several times, both in support of friends, uh, and, and, uh, and out of, out of interest for myself. And I've typically gone wearing, you know, an atheist shirt, hoping to find people to engage with them. Cause I like, I want to find these people and talk to them. So, um, do you wear chaps? Do you wear chaps when you go to the? Uh, uh, no, to- no, totally, no, you? totally not. No, no, no like Michael reason, and you know, chaps. No. Yeah, no, totally don't. Um, but no, so like I would want to talk to the person. So Nate, like I think partially I I agree with you. I would want to like delve into it more to find out whether or not. So um, I think the first step would be, okay, do you have a permit? No. So yeah, here's a ticket. Um, now my understanding you can inform me better than this as former law enforcement. Would it then be incumbent upon the individual who's given the ticket to, to cease, like to stop what they're doing. Right. Um, and then if they don't stop, then they have to take it to the next level. So that I think we don't yes. know yet. They, yeah. They typically, they, they, yeah. They typically, you know, give them the citation and uh, tell them to leave, um, you know, with, with like trust, they would trespass the guy. So right. that means like, you know, you violated law. We've remedied that. We've given you a ticket you know, pay it or appear in court and defend yourself. And now you are trespassing. So you need to, 
okay, that that would be what they would that would be like the scale of escalation. But right. yeah, I mean that gets gets into you know if they legally have a right to be there, um, they they just wouldn't be able to continue doing the loudspeaker thing because mm-hmm. they yeah. would still have a right to be there. But they'd have to like cease and desist, you know, that. Action. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so then I would say that I would. So, okay. So let's say because because well, I I don't yet have all the details, so I'm gonna give a couple of different narratives with with my thoughts. If it if it turns out to be the case that he had the little loudspeaker thing, was given a ticket, told to stop, and didn't, then yeah, he's a dumb kid and he deserved to have been arrested. If, but there's a couple of remedies to that. Like, for example, he could have put the loudspeaker away and just continue to talk. And then he, he would have just been exercising free speech, is my understanding. And there would have been nothing that could have been done. Um, if, if it's the case that he had the loudspeaker, was given a ticket and arrested without given the opportunity to leave, then I would, I would stand beside you and say that's a huge overreach and it, and it shouldn't have happened. The only... The only thing that I don't know, and this is just my ignorance of American law, is I don't know whether or not there was a, and because I didn't, haven't seen the article yet or watched the video as to what he was arrested for, um, could he have been possibly, like, could there have been a concern that he may have incited violence? I don't know. I still think they should have just, I mean, if he's 17 years old, I mean, like, we were all seven, like, teenagers, by definition, are not smart. And so... Um, it's it's possible he was just a dumb kid that did a dumb thing and you know maybe should have thought twice or something like that. Well, um, if he would have, yeah, if he would have been inciting violence, it would have been against himself. Like it didn't seem like there was anybody else on his side there, maybe like two people. So um, you know, if, if he would have been inciting violence, it would have been against yeah, him because that, he did point. not have friends there. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, and I think my, my one of my bigger problems besides the technicalities is you know if the the article Marquis shared if it has the video like uh, of like a bystander like filming it. There's like it, he he gets in a huddle with like three police surrounding him, and like I I would sue like that that is out of line like the guy is not resisting and he was charged with resisting arrest um, I I believe also in in that Ooh. video um, there is nothing of the sort like when the car uh, you know one cop from the front like uh, front reaches up and like yeah. aggressively grabs his arm he just leaves his arm there and lets the cop grab it and then another cop from behind like really comes up like I mean you could say it's like moderate whiplash like if you get slammed in the back with a car and your head like jerks forward like Mm. that's the force this guy kind of used and you know if someone sees it they're not going to be like oh wow what a baby blah 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 but i mean if someone's reasonable they're like yeah that's that's overstepping like it may not cause egregious injuries but there's no reason for that so like the guy kind of like grabs his arm twists it a little bit and shoves him forward and um i'm like dude that's that's aggressive so we're just like a you know steroided out cop or are you on the side of the LGBT and are trying to get your pound of flesh? Like neither, neither of those are professional behaviors. Um, so, you know, do your job. He's clearly not resisting. He's not putting up of a fight and you have him surrounded. So anyway, yeah, that's one of my problems. Like I would absolutely sue for that. Yeah. you could, I, I hope he does. Quick, I just wanted to add oh, yeah. that in order, uh, according to us law, you have to tell somebody they're under arrest. You have to announce that they're under arrest and then Mirandize them before you put the handcuffs on them, or at least as you're putting the handcuffs on them. If you look at the video and you have the audio up, you'll see that no one actually says he's under arrest or even that he's being detained. Uh, you have the cop that's front-facing him that tries to take the microphone from him, and because he doesn't automatically release it, the other guy comes and does the jerk. 
That is literally the sequence of events. So they can't charge him with resisting arrest if they don't tell him you're under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. That is literally the sequence of events that are necessary. And then if he continues to resist, then you would say that. But they don't say any such thing. And the audio is there. Doesn't look or appear to be altered in any kind of way. So, yeah, that that's a trumped up charge for nothing. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and overall, I like I have no problem saying like I am not a fan overall in general. Like if I so like I'm 52 years old and I remember when like so like once upon a time in Tor- in Toronto, um, like the 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 police weren't militarized like they are now. I'm I'm not a fan of how policing is done now. Um, you know, it, it used to be that basically, you know, cops wore, you know, like, you know, the shirt and the pants and, and the, the gun was in a hole. You could not see a police officer's firearm. Like it was in a hole. It was in a flapped holster. You couldn't even see it. Um, and, and now basically police in Toronto look more like SWAT than they do police officers that, that I'm used to. I'm, I'm not a fan of the militarization of police. I also don't like the way um, police kind of come in basically neutralize it, like basically neutralize the situation and ask questions later. I don't think that's a good way to community police. Um, but and yeah, and, and again, it's part of I the mean, socialist paradise, man. It's not. Um, but you know, like, ha- like not, not, not having seen the video, I, I can't comment more, but Nate, like you are, I think the one in this room with, with the expertise, right. To, to, to speak intelligently about whether or not this was an overstepping of boundaries. And I, and I defer to your, expertise in in that it and if it is as you're describing yeah it's an overstepping of bounds and and shouldn't have happened that way what if we would flip the the situation and that person wouldn't be a christian but a random guy like a black guy for example that would advocate lgbtq and on the other side it would be like people christians and that guy would be arrested for no reason just by saying uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, LGBTQ rights, and he would just be grabbed by the police from their arm. Oh, Wisconsin and... would be burning right now. <laughs> well, I, th- yeah, I, I mean, think also, I, you know, and this this may if that start... would yeah. if if that would be the case. Now, you would have Mr. Michael here saying this is unlawful arrest, and this is uh, this. He wouldn't ask for second uh, secondary opinions right now. He wouldn't say. Uh, maybe, maybe it was uh, his stupidity of his teenage years, or maybe uh, we didn't see exactly what police has uh, been saying to them. I mean, look at where he's he's grabbing his arm right from the beginning, without saying to him you are under arrest or anything, and then he says to him, "Get rid of the amplifier and the microphone," and then two other guys, two other police officers, come behind him and grab his arms and and put him in, in cuffs. How would any other human being would feel, not feel, would say about something like that if that would happen to a trans activist or a black activist or a gay activist? Th- they would now having burning cities for that. That's what so, I so I think, I, I think actually I'm going to, so what might be, so... Christ, I think it is. Um, I think this is the first time you and I have interacted. Um, as uh, in my Canadian 
most polite way. I would ask you to not project onto me what you think I might do given a certain situation. You were giving uh, instead, excuses, hang on. Michael. You were no. giving excuses, yes. So, you were giving excuses. Maybe the chat, this guy was too young, <laughs> too no better. Maybe this, uh, the police officer didn't do that. Or there are technicalities. What well, to be fair, to, well, to be fair, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't want to be your white knight, Michael. I was gonna say uh, I'll defend the devil, <laughs> but now sure. I think I think Michael's like me, like you know, he he is a a great analyst of our time. Well, maybe not saying I'm a great analyst of our time, but you know, I appreciate that. You know, he is kind of like the the counterpart to what I like, which is looking at things from all sides, asking questions, like you know, asking questions no one else will or thinks about. So you know, I I. I will defend Michael on that point. I, I think Michael would ask questions, and but I, I also get what you're saying. Uh, you know, Christ, like there are many people. Uh, you know, because Christianity is a is a minority um, compared to, you know, the society at large. Uh, like people may want to talk about different numbers and stuff like that in churches, but when you go outside to social events, you're largely in a minority. So yeah, there are lots of people who would do exactly as you say, and then it would be called, you know peaceful riots uh, yes. because you know lots of society and the media is is exactly as you say uh, but i i you know think the best of michael that he would not necessarily be one of them and he would ask questions on that side too well i'm sorry michael if you think that i'm projecting or anything but i'm just oh i'm not thinking you are projecting the... you, you okay are. let's say i'm projecting. well okay, i tried let's all take so, a breath but if we flip the coin if we flip the coin uh just, just be careful. Are, are would, you about to tell me say? what I would do or what I would think? What be, would just you be say? careful. What would you say? If oh, oh good. Ask me the question. Yeah, good. Okay, um, so I am against. I am against breaking the law in any way, shape, or form. I don't care who does it. Okay. What if it's an unjust law? Exactly. Um. That's interesting. Well, I example, guess I would need. I guess I'd need Michael, an example. You you said earlier, what if they were, in, in, in inciting violence? Yeah, Is it's that... possible. Yes. Again, again, it's I said that having not seen the video. Inside, I don't. You see, I'm Greek. My English is a little bit... Encouraging violence, like if there is a group of Christians, yeah. if, if there you is are like encouraging a group of, violence, like, like Hitler, for example, yeah. Yes. Like if there is a, if there is like another, if there is like another group of Christians around, uh, and he was like. Come on, guys, get them, beat them with bats, blah 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 blah. Well, then I would say, no, no, that's bad. You can't, you can't have people. That's not, uh, that's not only bad, mate. That's that's horrible. Okay, yes, why sir. to hit the people for no reason? I mean, what did they do to you? They're just having their own good time. That, that, right, that's what he was saying. And you know, he yeah. said he hadn't watched so, the video yet, so I was letting him know that no, <laughs> there wasn't like a group of Christians. There was like him, and you know, let's just throw in maybe one or two guys who also shared his belief just because. Um, but no, there was not like a group of people he was like, you know, riling up and preaching to. He was severely outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 so what I said was, in in ignorance, in that I have not yet seen the video. It's entirely possible that I'll watch the video, and completely agree with those of you who have watched the video. I don't know yet. I can't speak to it because I haven't yet seen it. Well, Michael, just click the link on the chat, and you will see. Well, like I said, I'm like right, I've got it queued up on my computer, but right now, I'm, <laughs> right now, I'm talking to all the lovely people here. Well, let's see what Steph has going on today. What's up, Steph? Oh, hey, CEO, by the way. What's up, Steph? How are you? Oh, well, I'm good. How are you guys? Or anything else? Uh, uh, no, I haven't by, seen the video by. yet either. 
Whoa. How old is your day going? Me? Oh, it's good. I was up until 2.30 last night listening to uh, what Carlton called Christian Clubhouse after 2 a.m., and it was pretty ratchet. But I have regrets <laughs> uh, now. Give us like uh, give us like your top two examples. Like what were the topics that were? Oh no, there was a there was a room that started out really great. I'm not going to name any names. And then there was a, a a thing said that one of the moderators didn't. I didn't even catch it, but one of the moderators had this problem. Like someone was saying that Moses. Well, maybe this is an interesting topic. The arg the opposing sides. One side claimed that Moses had full understanding of the Trinity. And the other side claimed that he did not, because if he did, then progressive revelation isn't a thing. And I'm not going to say which side said what, so that we get Chris's unbiased opinion. But what do you guys think? I, well, I thought your controversy was going to be Moses rode a motorbike. All right, extra points. Name that song. <laughs> no, Five, it's not a motorbike. Four, Rose's three, road. Two, one. Nobody? Come on. Tears for fears. Anyways. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Moses wrote Break it down again. Look that up stuff. Clearly, it was before I was born. Actually, I, I I don't care what Moses actually believed about the Trinity, you know. Uh, well, Chris, what is your what unfiltered? Oh, well, since it went to Chris first, I think uh, uh, yeah, I think anybody that thinks Moses knew anything about the Trinity is an idiot. How about that? Okay, say that as Christ would say it. I, I disagree because Moses was the one that wrote the book of Genesis and that's where um, the revelation of God created the heavens and the earth and he was talking about how the spirit of the Lord hovered over the earth and God spoke his word and it came to pass, right? And also he said, let us make mankind in, in our own image. So he has to have known. Okay, perfect. You so know, pause right uh, here. Wait a minute. Uh, this is an exact, exact replica of what happened last night. And this is exactly the way the conversation started. So I'm super excited for this social experiment to see if it goes a different direction than last night. Okay, so I would then add to it and say, thanks, Sheena. Hi, and welcome. And uh, Chris, I still want Hi, to guys. Hear you. Thank you, you, just, by the way, uh, for letting me speak. Sorry to cut you off. Oh, no, this is good. Of course, I'm glad you're here. And uh, Chris, I still, I still would like you to uh, pretend you are, are Jesus, or at least Paul, um, for, for your responses and see how that goes. We'll, we'll, I'll do my own social experiment. Um, anyways, but <laughs> I, I would say that we, um, you know, whenever we talk about the Trinity, you know, I mean, how many times do all of us go and like, look, the first page of the Bible is where you start to get it. So I think uh, to say one way or another, because, you know, Moses could be someone that just like, is like, hey, I just feel inspired to write this down. I'm writing it down. Um, I'm not asking questions. I'm not thinking. I'm just writing. Um, or he, you could he could take the position like, hey, I'm writing this down, and I also have time while I'm wandering the desert. Desert. I, I may as well think about what I'm going to pin uh, when it was written. I may as well, you know, go ahead and read and study some of the own stuff I wrote down, uh, you know, written down. So, uh, you know, he'd be like, okay, well, in the beginning, uh, you know, God created this, and the Spirit was on the face of the deep, and and let us create man in our image. So, you know, he didn't have <clears throat> he didn't have the benefit of having the finished work in the canon after Jesus was here. But, you know, that could have started him thinking, like, is, is there, um, you know, is, is he talking about a council? Is he talking about something else? Like, so Moses would have had, you know, a, a decent amount of evidence to make him start asking questions. So I, I think to, to definitively pronounce what was going on in the mind of Moses, no one can ultimately say. But to say outright, he definitely totally understood the Trinity, or he definitely 100% did not. 
would be faulty. All right, Chris, respond with the words of Christ. Or, or you, know, you know what I mean. I'll, I'll say this. With, uh, I'm going to channel my inner atheist, Michael, with as much charity as I can muster. I'll be judging you. Okay. Um, I'll answer your uh, question, Abba, in just a second. Go ahead, Chris. Good. Wait. What? Okay. Um, he wants to know so, why I have a Talmud as my PTR. Got it. Um, so what I would say is that uh, types and shadows and uh, things that we can use New Testament revelation to point to um, in the Old Testament as a type or shadow um, would be something that progressive revelation would teach, as well as the uh, previous revelation not flatly contradicting the new revelation. We never see a overturning of anything. What we see is an addition, more information. And that is what progressive revelation is. It's simply adding more information. So you can talk about Genesis 1-1 and, you know, the hovering over the deep, etc. The ancient Israelites would have had no understanding of the Christian theological definition of the Trinity, um, including Moses. I just think it's an outrageous and silly thing to say when the only way that we can arrive at the Trinity is through systematic theology and studying the New Testament. I would agree with what you say, um, but I would still stand by what I said, which would be, you know, there is enough there to get him thinking about stuff. So he may not know anything about the person Jesus that's going to show up thousands of years later, but he would at least see that, like, you know, God was talking to somebody. So, I mean, maybe he, he would have thought the Trinity was like, a duopoly or something or like a duo um in, instead of a trinity um so i mean I anyway to say like he wouldn't have had any information to get him kind of thinking um which i'm just gonna say is is you would agree with that <laughs> can i yeah, share I, uh, a scripture please i have a question real quick is that a uh, yeah gina then to you Okay, then, uh, would you say that moses was filled with the holy spirit as he received the revelation that he had uh, Chris, that's a good question. Feels with or inspired by? Yeah, I mean, like, look, holy men were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote holy writ. This is Second Peter, right? So, or yeah. Uh, anyway, First uh, Peter. Sorry. Um, but yes, and so the prophets were filled with the Holy Spirit, like you know Isaiah and uh, Ezekiel and Joel, and you know all those guys were filled with the Holy Spirit as they were prophesying this doesn't mean that god is giving them a 360 degree view of redemptive history it just means that they were given the information that they were given can i share a scripture oh, sorry uh hang on ceo had something and then was that you victoria that wanted to share a scripture yes Okay, yeah, see you. Yeah, Nate, I was I was just going to co-sign with you that he had he knew two out of the three, right? The Holy Spirit and the Father, but not Jesus. So I'm just co-sign. Uh, Victoria. Thank you. Um, so I was going to read uh, Hebrews 11, 26 and 27. This is about Moses. Uh, sorry, hold on. I think I might start with 25 to give a bit more context. Uh, Hebrews... 11, 25. Okay. Um, choosing 
Uh, sorry, wait, I'll start from 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And then it says, Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. Um, so, yeah, uh, and that, and coupled with what is there in the book of Jude, I think, and Jude. Um, where I think it is in, oh yeah, verse uh, 5. Now I desire to remind you, though you are fully informed, that the Lord who once for all saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. As, and, and the verse about that is um, where he claims the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is some scripture that does point to uh, the knowledge of Christ. But then again, it doesn't probably say like, a full revelation because we have Psalm, um, we have David, King David, and King Solomon also making some sort of references to it too. Sure, but again, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is progressive revelation, right? So what we're seeing here is that in Hebrews and Jude, the biblical authors are further revealing that Jesus was the one who was uh, the one taking his children Israel out of Egypt. It's just a, it's, it's added information that again, the Hebrews would not have had because they're not going to understand because they're not given that revelation, the difference between Christ and, you know, Yahweh, because everything that you see, like we, when we see an Exodus three, most Christians would say that the burning bush is a presentation of Jesus rather than the father or rather than the full essence of God. Can I give an, a personal example of uh, how the progressive revelation could work? Sure, and then I'll answer Abel's question. Okay, so let, let's put it this way. Uh, some years ago, uh, I was uh, mandling bis, bis, between uh, believing in God or just whatever it is. And I had problems, uh, financial problems. And I had to pay the car, me and my wife, for food. And we just came back from Greece to UK to continue our work and stuff like that. And I had only, let's say, 50 pounds in my bank account. I didn't have more. And, you know, at that time I was in my, how to say it, in the corner. And I was saying, before I sleep, I said... Well, if you do exist, just do something so that I will have for the rest two weeks some money in the bank account to be able at least to feed myself. Next day, the car breaks down. I try to fix it. I can't. I get angry. I go with my wife to buy some groceries with whatever money we are left. And the day after, I'm going to work and I'm calling the... Um, how do you call it, uh, the company, the insurance company. I stopped the insurance because I'm, I sold the car. My wife got 80 pounds for the car. 
I got 160 pound in, back to my bank account. And I'm using buses from that moment. From It was, for example, Wednesday and everything happened on Thursday. And from, from Thursday and, and for two months, I'm using buses and stuff like that. And, you know, I would never think as at the moment of Tuesday that the car broke down, Wednesday that the car broke down, that this uh, was, uh, how to say it, like a, something divine. Because I was thinking what just happened and why is my car bro broke. But I wouldn't think that this would help my finan finances to get 230 pounds in my bank account, you know? So, you see, but now I understand that. Now I understand how that happened. So, everything has to go into the place, and then you get the, the understanding of what, what the whole picture is. Before that, you don't know. So that's how I would say progressive, uh, how did you call it? Progressive uh, revelation. That revelation. kind of makes me think that part in the Bible where it talks about, you know, we, I mean, maybe context, whatever, but you know, like, yeah, it, you know, what was it like, like we, we, we see, like, you know, we see dimly now, but then we'll see clearly like that, exactly. that's, that's kind of like a sort of biblical reference kind of sort of in a way for what you're talking about. But uh, Abba, all right, are you still here? Well, uh, anyway, it's good to see you. It's been a while. Um, the reason I have a Talmud is uh, actually nothing to do with these rooms. It's because of like all these social media posts that are just like drivel, just like atheist, ridiculous, like, you know, low brow, low IQ. I hate God, meh, probably believe in God, but hate him um, posts. So like, you know, all the stuff like, you know, God condones rape, God condones murder, God condones blah, blah, blah. Like basically every bad thing someone wants to make out of the Bible. Um, and saying, like, look how evil and bad God is. Um, and, you know, citing, like, a couple verses here and there in the Old Testament. So, anyways, that's that's why I, I, I did that. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter for them. So maybe that's my passive-aggressive way. Um, but the point is, look, you can't pronounce judgment on a God that you also say you don't believe in. And you take a couple verses out of the Old Testament or the Torah and just think you have a complete perfect understanding. Like, you know... Oh, oh no, if a guy wipes a Roman, she's got to marry her rapist. She totally has to marry her rapist. Oh, no choice. See, God condones rape. It's like, you're so dumb, you precious thing. It's like, you must, if you want to talk about the Old Testament, I don't have a dog in this fight. The only, the only dog Christians have in the fight of the Old Testament is technically same God. So as such, my only responsibility is to give you accurate information, which means instead of thinking, oh, Someone rapes a woman, you got to pay 50 shekels to her father, and she totally has to be forced to marry her rapist. I'm like, no. If you want to talk about the law, then you actually need to talk about it the way whose people this law actually is do their law. So that means you need to read the Talmud, you need to call a rabbi, like whether or not you believe it, whether or not you think they're, you know, like the only way you can get out of that is basically to say like, oh, well, Jews are liars because you know their law better than they do. From reading the Old Testament, um, you know, I'm not prepared to call all Jews liars, but if you want to, uh, go for it. 
that's really your only way out of it. Otherwise, you have to, you know, consult the Talmud, consult a rabbi, you know, talk to an observant Jewish person, find out what they actually, you know, do in these situations. So the point of the picture of the Talmud is, look, you get 613 bullet points, like very, very vague references to the law in the Old Testament. So the way you interpret these 613 like sentences, 613 bullet points is through, you know, the oral tradition of the Talmud, which is like what, like 36, 37, 36 volumes so it's like you basically have 37 equivalent, you know, in, in size and literature, you have 37 like books the size of Bibles. So you have like 37, 36 Bibles to interpret 613 sentences you'll find in our Bible. So the, the point is just showing how incredibly complex these laws are and how many, uh, you, you know, how, how it's actually applied and how much nuance there is instead of reading one sentence and think, Oh, gotta marry a rapist. Gotta marry a rapist. Anyway, that's why, Abba. I have a topic change when we're ready. Uh, yeah, I hope that answered the question, Abba. But yeah, um, since I, you know, can only can only put so much, I opted for the giant volumes of like you know oral tradition written down. But usually, my my answer is something like, look. Read the Talmud, call a rabbi. Those are your options when you want to know how to actually deal with Old Testament, you know, the Mosaic law. Read the Talmud, call a rabbi, or, you know, drop your number in there and I'll tell them to call you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, go ahead, see you. Um, yeah, so so Chris sent me this really interesting article yesterday. I wanted to talk about it, this idea of moralistic therapeutic deism. Oh, oh, yeah, what, wait, what... Was that Chris that brought that up? Yeah, I remember something about that. Yeah, Chris sent me. He sent me a the article yesterday. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah, about how dumb U.S. teenagers are. Yeah, th this is how it ends. Uh, did you want to talk about that, or what did you want to well, say about I that? Because yeah, the I agree. Article, it's, but I don't know if you know sad. more about the topic, or if Chris is available to talk about it. I just thought it'd be interesting. I read it too, and that is the exact framework under which I was, like, when I was a teenager attending youth group, that's exactly what we were taught. It's this therapeutic, moralistic theism. And it's so crazy because it's like, look, it's like there are so few things you can mess up. <clears throat> How do you manage to mess this up? Like, e even, like, a complete atheist, someone that's, like, learned nothing about Christianity or, or like, if you know one thing about Christianity— it should be the ultimate point is about some guy named Jesus that can forgive you. It's not about be a good person. Like, like if you know like nothing about Christianity, you should at least know that much. <clears throat> it's just like so apparent. It should be so apparent. It should be so obvious that it's, it's not primarily about just be a good person, be happy with yourself. It's about a dude named Jesus that can give you eternal life. Anyways, it, it, yeah, that makes so me more really, mad than the, like, so marry really a rapist like the, thing. The description <laughs> it had in this one line, it said that they think God is something like a combination between a divine butler and a cosmic therapist. <laughs> so what, where did we end up with the, uh, with the whole, like, Moses and Trinity thing? Uh, no one, no one can say. So uh, I think Moses has. Tell me if I'm right, Steph. Is this what you would agree with? Like Moses had enough stuff to have him start asking questions 
but there's no way, uh, you know, short of divine impartation, which, you know, there's no evidence to state that, there's no way he would have had like a, a full cohesive understanding of the Trinity or anything like that, but he definitely would have had um, information to have him asking questions instead of just like, I know nothing. Yeah, I have a meeting to go to at 9.30. So sadly, I'm going to have to keep it very short. But keep in mind that I listened to five hours of this last night, and then I fell asleep with it in my ear, and then I had dreams about it. So I have had some time to mull this over. And what after what about? I... What? What was your dream about? Oh, people arguing on Clubhouse. It was very... I woke up very stressed out. The, the, the heart rate was high when I woke up. Uh, so after... Because there was a lot of arguing. But I heard arguments from both sides. And I actually do think that I would side with Gina on this one. Like, you know, assuming what Gina, that Gina aligned with the, that side on the argument last night. So, so I don't think that Moses would have had enough information because of course I subscribe to progressive revelation and understand that and see that. I don't think that Moses had enough information to arrive at a Trinitarian belief. However, the opposing side was arguing that Moses had a strictly oneness you know, that what they were portraying was that Moses would not have understood as more than one. Um, but I think that I agree with Gina based on what Moses wrote. If he was understanding the words he was putting down on animal skin and ink, then he would have had to have understood that there were at least two. Um, but maybe he was, maybe he experienced amnesia after or was control. I don't know. But I would think that if Moses understood what he was writing and was reading what he was writing and was invested in what he was writing, then yes, he would have understood a minimum of two. So here's the thing. Looking back. Oh, hang on. Gosh, sorry. I was on mute. Uh, sorry, Chris. I was like halfway through my sentence. Um, on mute. Uh, was it a oneness guy? So it wasn't just like Trinitarians talking about, did Moses know the Trinitarians? No, no, no. no. Like, These were this was a, a oneness guy? No, this was a group of very reputable Trinitarians, and there were people okay. on both sides ahead, that I very much trust. Yeah, yeah it just, ahead, it's just never been the position of historic Christianity that characters in the Old Testament had any inner, any understanding of the Trinity at all. Um, you know, I've heard the two powers argument, eh, you know, some, somewhat interesting to talk about. It's certainly not something that I would hang my hat on. And I think that there is a, a lack of training and reading amongst the set that would vehemently put forth the idea that Moses had any idea about the Trinity. Okay, before I, I, I go, I let me ask you a super quick question. Just real quick, because i got to run. Chris, in that case, when we're talking to oneness, when we're arguing with oneness, why appeal to any verses in the Old Testament at all? Well, because you can see, again, you can see the types and shadows, and the Old Testament will never contradict the New Testament. But to be honest with you, I think the, that people that spend two and three and four hours in a room arguing with uh, oneness or Unitarians uh, about the Trinity in the Old Testament, I think it's a waste of time and stupid. And uh, I Steph? say that, yeah. Okay, Before yeah, you go, I made your... There were no... I made your... I made your mod real fast. Can you send an invite to Dr. PhD guy down there? He raised his hand, but it's not letting he's me invite him. Could you throw him an invite? Yeah, oh, is it? Oh, never yeah. mind. Gosh, here, right oh, my goodness. The green bean. <clears throat> Maybe I need to pray for an Apple phone to follow this guy. Uh, okay, so yeah, doctor, we'll get to you in just a second. Um, I, I was going to say, yeah, if it would have been oneness, like that's I, I, that's what I was going to speak to. By trying to say like, you know, something is there where it's not because of absence, 
I, I would say, you know, like when people do that, that's just slimy or incredibly ignorant. They should read a book uh, to, to channel my Chris. But if they're saying like, you know, God is totally oneness, like, you know, if they're like, here are Israel, the Lord our God is one. That does not mean oneness in the same way that like, you know, Abba was in, in comments talking about the oneness of God. They mean very different things when they talk about oneness. So I would just say that would be my problem by them trying to say, no, no, it's totally oneness, meaning something very, very different. Um, you know, in their theology by oneness, the whenever someone else just says, oh, the oneness of God, because, you know, God is one, um, two totally different things. Um, and Abba, I, I got to ask, was that tongue in cheek in the uh, the quote that you're probably going to have made up on T-shirts now that Christianity is about be, isn't about being a good person? Um, I hope that was tongue in cheek, because, you know, I, I said the ultimate point is not about, you know, Christianity is is not ultimately a moralizing religion, right? Like the, if someone's like, what is the ultimate point of Christianity? Be a good person. That is not the ultimate point. Uh, where most, uh, you know, a lot of religions, that is the ultimate point. It's like, be a good person. And then, you know, that's the way to get good stuff. Well, in Christianity, certainly you should be a good person. Uh, but that's not the ultimate point because the ultimate point is, you know, salvation. You can't, you can't save yourself. You need a God to reconcile and you redeem you. And because of that, you will be a new person, you'll have a new nature, and you will be a good person. Or at least you'll be convic convicted and compelled and have a propensity towards being a better person. So it's like two birds with one stone, right? So it's like, look, believe in the ultimate point of Christianity, which is Jesus' salvation, eternal life with your creator. And because of that, then you will gravitate towards being what we would generally accept as decent moral human beings. Um, I mean, people fight against that. We see it. We see Christians who are not that. They claim they're Christians, but they're not that. But I think they have to, like, kind of fight against it. Because, uh, anyways, so let me know. I have a, I have a question <laughs> you said, like, yeah. guys, if that's okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Gina, and then I'll say hi to Dr. I didn't realize he made it up on stage. So go ahead, Gina. Okay, so I guess my question is, as Christians, when you read the Bible, when do you come to the introduction of the Holy Trinity? Like, how do you understand and know that there's a Holy Trinity to begin with? Is it from the Old Testament and the New Testament or the New Testament? That's one question. Another question for someone, I think, I believe someone said something about the prophet not knowing the Holy Trinity. Uh, but Jesus, when he was speaking to, I believe, the Pharisees and he was uh, saying, he was debating about them calling him the son of David, right? And he said something along the line of, um, then why did David say that I see my Lord seated next to my lord so i mean i guess i'm trying to understand how did you guys come to that conclusion that there was no understanding of the holy trinity was that for chris let me go find that not, text make so it chris. yeah so it's a it's a reference it's it's literally one of the, the the most referenced scriptures in the new testament um yes again we say that there are types and shadows we say that you know, throughout the Tanakh, God is revealed, not revealed, God is referred to in ways that would not preclude a multipersonal deity, okay? And when Jesus points this out, the very fact that all the Jews kind of like were stumped, like what is he even talking about, shows us that the, that first century Jews would have had absolutely no concept of a multi-personal God. It's just foreign to them. 
And so this is what we talk about with progressive revelation. He's pointing back to verses in the Tanakh that support a multi-personal God, but without revealing it. Uh, doctor, what's up? Uh, hey, hello. Um, oh. I actually have a question of uh, something you mentioned. Um, you said uh, that the only thing that the atheist needs to know is that there is Jesus and he is the savior. Uh, is that correct? No. I mean, that's okay. That Maybe I misheard. Uh, yes. I, I was saying like, because okay. the, the point we were talking about is how people, when they're asked like, you know, what is Christianity? Like a lot of times you'll get things like, just be a good person or God just wants you to be happy. Um, and I'm saying, guys, if, if you, not just atheists, but anyone, even, even other apparently Christian teenagers, um, if you know only one thing about Christianity, it should not be just be a good person. Like that, that is so like not the ultimate point of what Christianity is. It's just like so antithetical to it. it I mean, it, not in the sense that you should be a bad person. No, you should be a good person. But if someone's like, hey, what do I do to be saved? How do I be cool with Christ? It's like, oh, well, you know, just live your best life and be a good person. That's like so wrong that just like anyone that's not living under a total rock should be like, oh, no, like, you know, I'm an atheist and I don't even believe that. Like, no, clearly Jesus says, like, he's the only way to heaven. And he says, you got to believe in him. So like, th that's what I was saying. Um, okay. So, uh, so you consider that Christianity is the right choice, not atheism. That is correct. Okay. So which Christian, which, which type, let's say like, uh, if someone wants to consider Christianity, there are different paths, whether it was Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Orthodox, uh, Catholics. Which one is the correct path? <laughs> you managed to mention so, all non-Christians in your quote-unquote Christian group. It's fantastic. Well, They're yeah, all so non-Christians. Well, hang on. So I, I would say the one most closely related to the Bible. So like, there, there's some things like Chris is going to say in his most Jesus comforting voice in a minute. Um, so there are things that are so far outside of Christianity that they can call themselves Christians, but they're just not because the words on the page would disagree with them. So whenever you talk about like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witness, they'll say they're Christians, they'll say they believe the Bible, but when you read the Bible and you read what they believe, that's, you, that's like saying, well, hey, I worship Satan and I believe in Satan, but I'm a Christian. Well, okay, it's not like, well, a true, Christian, a true, true Scotsman fallacy. It's like, no, you, you are worshiping the thing that is the ultimate opposition to Christianity. So, so by definition, you are in no way, shape, or form Christianity. To a lesser degree than outright saying they worship Satan, that would be like Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses because their views of the Bible and God and Jesus and salvation are so far removed from what Jesus himself says about it that they just are not considered Christian in any way. And then you get to like, you know, other like denominations and stuff like that that are more widely accepted, which uh, anyways, like Orthodox Catholicism, whatever. <laughs> and then there's like, you know, like, like between like Presbyterians, Baptist, uh, um, you know, Reformed, I don't know, Pentecostal. Like we would say, well, those are different denominations and they have differences, but they're not salvation issues. 
So the stuff in the Bible that Jesus says you must get right, those groups all get it right. So you can have disagreements in Christianity, but if you get the main stuff right, that's what matters. So I know people want to say there's like, you know, so many thousands of different branches of Christianity, which one is right? Most of them are right. There's very few that mess things up so bad to a level that even the Bible wouldn't consider them Christians. So that's it. I would say first century Christianity, read the Bible, read the New Testament, read Acts, do what those people did, that Christianity. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Just do what they did in the Bible and that. Like the, the winner of the game is who emulates that the best. But why is it like to whom is it? Uh, who Who is the person to judge? You see, if, there, if someone is coming and saying God. that I am Christian. Christ. Sorry? God is the judge. But you already judged them. You said that they are not Christians. Well, right. Like That's like you saying, an, like you telling me you're a Christian. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're a Christian. Cool. What do you believe? And then if you say, uh, well, you know, my Christianity is I'm an atheist and I believe all of your Jesus stuff is made up and it's not real. I'd be like, okay, well, I'm judging rightly then to say that there, there is definitions for Christians. And if you're saying you're a Christian, but you don't even believe in, in the Bible or the guy we say is God, well, then you, if you're being fair, you would judge yourself and be like, okay, well, you're right. I'm not really a Christian because you're so far away from what Christianity is, right? So, okay. So for example, let, let me just lay it out in a nutshell. Generally speaking, if you believe these foundations of Christianity uh, you know, there is there is a God who created everything, and uh, there is mankind, there is Adam, there is Eve, they were literal, they sinned. Because of that, there is a fall, and this world is, like, tainted by sin. That means anything imperfect, anything against God, anything you messed up at, you didn't do perfect, your regrets, any of that, anything that goes against God, um, that is sin. There's There's no way to save yourself. You can be a good person. You can do good stuff. None of that matters. The only way to, to be reconciled and be okay with this God is to believe that Jesus, the visible image of God, came from heaven to earth and lived as a human. So God himself came and lived as a human, lived a perfect, sinless life, did nothing wrong, did everything right, and he allowed himself to be murdered on a cross as a sacrifice um, for these sins. So anyone who believes that much, anybody that believes that, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and says, Jesus, you say we must be born again and we can receive eternal life if we just ask you for it and repent. So the stuff that we know we should stop doing, stop doing it and ask Jesus to save us, forgive us, make us born again and give us eternal life. At that moment, we're told that God himself, the Holy Spirit, will live with us and guide us and lead us into correct understanding. So for all the different Christian denominations, generally speaking, that will at least believe that much. Congratulations. You've, you've got it right. You are a true Christian um, unless you go off the rails and start saying really, really crazy stuff that would contradict that. So, so all the Christians that believe that much stuff, that's the blueprint for what a Christian is. So you can mess up secondary stuff. You can mess up free will arguments. Like there's lots of stuff you can mess up. But if you believe that little nutshell I gave you, the Bible itself calls you a Christian. Um, hope that helps. Yeah, I mean, I understand what the Bible says, and I understand that each person reads it, uh, gets a different understanding from someone else. 
No, I just said that long that's long. not true. Like, there's one correct interpretation. Our job <clears throat> is to use the tools of the science and art of hermeneutics to get to what the author's intention for the text is. It's not a willy-nilly free-for-all. It can mean anything I want it to mean. That's postmodernism. Okay, but um, I'm just depending on the fact that there are different groups of questions. That's why I'm saying that there are people who understand it differently. As long as it is the situation, as long as the situation is like that, and as you said, it's up to God to be the judge. Why should we be judging them by our understanding of the book? Well, ultimately, God is the one to judge their heart, and God really knows. But it's our job to judge rightly, because the Bible—it's in there—tells us to judge rightly, judge with righteous judgment. So, if someone says they're a Christian, but they are falling far outside of what the Bible says, well, then it's our job to judge them in that regard. So we're not judging their eternal soul, per se. That's between them or God. So if we misunderstand something, if they misunderstand something, uh, ultimately, that's that's God who will judge because he knows the heart. He knows these people better than they know themselves. But, you know, the Bible also tells us by their fruits, you'll know them. So if someone is just doing everything contrary to what the Bible says, like the Bible talks about Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. Like, you know, these are the fruits of the Spirit. So if someone says they're a Christian, for example, these are things you should expect to see. Um, you should expect, like, you know, the Bible talks about how everyone, you know, who who says Christ is God, uh, you know, who says Jesus is Lord, uh, you know, these are, are the fruits of people you'll see who are disciples of Christ, the things he's doing, the things he's saying. So if you see people doing other things than that, for example, um, you know, leading them into like a space cult. Or leading people to, uh, you know, violence. When Jesus says, you know, tell people about them, and if they want to hear, stay more and disciple them. But if they don't, shake the dust from your feet and leave them to their fate. It's between them and God. Um, so if you see people doing things contrary, then the Bible very much tells us to judge rightly those people and try to get them back in line to following the Bible. Um, but then the last thing I'd say is, at a certain point, you know the basics of Christianity. You, you don't need people. You, you read the Bible. So at a point, stop asking, and I don't just mean you, I don't mean this to be like sound bad against you, but people should stop talking to Christians, pastors, debates, YouTube videos, and just read the Bible for yourself. And the part where it says, call on the name of the Lord, pray to Jesus, seek him and you will find him. That's talking about Jesus. It's not talking about more Christians. So at a certain point, pray to this guy you think may or may not even exist and let God himself uh, deal with you. So I would say that's one leg up Christianity has. Our ultimate appeal is not to scholars. It's not to other Christians. It's not to preachers or YouTube. It's to God himself. So I would say do that. Okay, thank you. Sure. Uh, hey, D, what's up, D? Good morning. <laughs> Hey, by the way, I'm not discounting scholars or Christians or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, hey, after we say everything we've got to say, like, you know, how many times can you hear, like, you know, read the Bible and pray to Jesus, read the Bible and pray to Jesus, read the Bible and pray to Jesus? I mean, at some point, read the Bible and pray to Jesus. <laughs> um, but what's up, V? All right. So here is my question. Um, so I'm not a Christian, but I'm a Muslim. 
actually by being on this app, I learned about Ben Joseph and Ben David. So, you know, the two messiahs that the Jews speak about. And I know that in our uh, belief system, we believe that Christ was uh, Ben Joseph initially, you know, um, when he came in and he fulfilled uh, some of the prophecies when he came in. And then uh, when he comes back, he'll finish out the uh, prophecies. That is my understanding. So um, I was in a, a Hebrew Israelite room, and they cited um, Matthew 17 and 18 um, regarding, um, you know, don't don't feel like I came here to uh, to uh, discourage or disregard the law, but I came to fulfill it. And then uh-huh. um, it goes into saying, um, you know, until heaven and earth pass. No jot or tittle should be, or you know, tilt should be, um, you know, dismissed. Am I? You know, I'm, I'm very much so paraphrasing as I'm driving. Um, my question is, is that I know that we're not saved by the law. I know we're saved under grace. So, if that, that, that statement, it, it has me a little like, so. Does that mean we're supposed to still be following? the law until he comes back and then creates a new heaven and the earth because his second coming has not occurred. Um, so I just want to get to hear you guys' opinion about that because it just, it was one of those things that makes you go. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, devil likes to do that. <laughs> uh, remember earlier, like uh, you weren't here earlier. We, we talked about how some people it's like really dangerous because you know, fewer, fewer people will believe outright lies and things that sound insane. Um, than more people will believe if you say something true and then sprinkle in lies and deceit on top of it because it sounds true and some of it even is true, but then they add other stuff that is not true and they, and they convolute it. Um, kind of a tactic of Satan. Anyways, <clears throat> so there's no way to get a quick answer to this, but to start you off in a nutshell, um, until heaven and earth pass away, you know, his word won't pass away. I, I get that. Um, and then we talk about fulfillment. And let's see, the other thing um, they like to do, I, I forgot. Anyways, I'll just, I'll just start off. So Jesus fulfilled the law, right? So, I mean, they, they say, like, they, they speak to their own points they're raising, but it's either just, like, incredible illness, uh, ignorance or just willful, willful ignorance um, that they don't see it. So it's fulfilled. So Christ fulfilled the law. So it's been fulfilled. So that's like saying you have a test book. And you have, uh, you know, you have a test book that, you know, not talking about cheating or anything like that, but, you know, you have a test book and one is filled out with all the correct answers and it's done, ready to be turned in. And the other one is, uh, is not filled out. So you have to fill out all the answers yourself. It's like, okay, well, you can, you can grab the one that's like, I don't know, all analogies break down, but, you know, the teacher's Jesus. So you can grab the textbook that they are trying to grab with that's completely blank. And they start out, you know, reading the law of Moses that they, for some reason, think they need to keep because it's talking about them. So they start out with a blank law of Moses uh, book, and they're trying to go in and pencil, thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do this, you should do this. Uh, so they're trying to pencil in every single one of these and keep the entire law of Moses, um, because, you know, jot and tittle, and they're trying to keep the law of Moses. Well, then you have the Christian view, which is like, oh, okay, the teacher's like, hey, it's an open book test, and hey, I went ahead and did it. Basically, your only way to fail this test is not hand in the book. If you hand in the book, look, 
here's here's the here's the law here's the jots here's the tittles here's all the prophets it's already fulfilled it's already completed so your real test is basically to pick up that book and hand it in and the christian version of that is repent believe the gospel trust jesus who wrote those answers trust jesus who put all those jot and tittles in just perfect just the way they should be he never messed up he never had to scribble anything out he never had to erase anything because they messed up because they're not perfect and couldn't fulfill it he got it right 100 from the beginning so we're just picking it up handing it in and saying jesus you fulfilled these laws they're not done away with they are kept in you it's my faith in you that is keeping these laws that that's like the best analogy i can come up with but they're trying to do it the hard way the incorrect way that they cannot do and the, the Christian way is we're not saying the law doesn't matter. We're not saying we're lawless people. We're saying Jesus fulfilled the law, and we keep the law by putting our faith in Jesus who fulfilled the law. And also, Paul talks about, like, if you read Galatians, it really starts in Galatians 4 and 5, but just, just read all of Galatians. It's like a whole 30-minute read. But Paul talks so – like, I don't know how the Hebrew Israelites could read Galatians. Probably they don't. And come away with the understanding they still have unless they have an agenda that they have to be beholden to, which they do. So I guess I answered my question. But Paul talks a lot about the law of sin and death. So he compares the law of Moses, and he, he calls it the law of sin and death versus the law of the Spirit. So we follow the law of the Spirit, which is you know, the Holy Spirit, right? Like, so we believe there, are, there is a law put on our heart. Like when the Bible says, you know, if you, when you're a Christian, like the Holy Spirit himself will live with you and lead you and guide you into all righteousness and understanding and everything. We believe that's the law of the spirit. So we don't need a law that says thou shalt not murder. And when we don't murder, it's not because we're trying to keep the law that says don't murder. The reason Christians don't murder is because we instinctively know murder is wrong. So if they need a law to keep them to murder, well, you know, keep following that law, I guess. Don't murder. But for Christians, it's like, look, we know this stuff. It's in our heart. Like God puts this in our heart. He convicts us, so we follow the law of the Spirit. We don't follow the law of sin and death. And Paul says, look, the law is not bad. Like, the law of Moses is not bad. Um, it serves a purpose. He says, it's not that it's bad. It's that it doesn't have the ability to save. The law of Moses only has the ability to condemn and show people how sinful they are because nobody can keep the law, like, completely. And, of course, this is a Christian position, right? Like, you'll get a very different understanding from a Jewish perspective. But under the Christian paradigm, this is the answer. So the law has the power to condemn, uh, but the law of the Spirit has the power to save. You're putting your faith in Christ alone. It's nothing you did. It's no amount of keeping the law you did. It's by Christ alone. That being said, we are still a very much lawful people um, when we don't steal, when we don't lie, <clears throat> and we fail, right? So look, I mean, we try, everyone, secular people, generally try not to lie, cheat, and steal, and stuff like that, but they occasionally will because they're not perfect. Um, and even people who believe in God and believe in the law of Moses, they try not to lie, cheat, and steal, but they're not perfect, so eventually they're going to tell a lie at some point in their life. Um, so, so that is like evidence that you want to keep the law, but you can't keep the law versus putting your faith in Christ who completely kept the law. And uh, anyway, so I'm getting redundant now, but does that, does that help? So we are lawful people. And it's not that, and Chris will even disagree with what I'm about to say. But and it's not that we don't we don't tr keep the law, like uh, you know, the lie, cheat, and steal. Like thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not cheat or steal or whatever, or murder. Um, <clears throat> when we do that, it's not because we're trying to keep the law of Moses. It's because 
we instinctively are following the law of the spirit placed in our hearts by Jesus. Jesus didn't do these things. We don't want to do these things. So we still follow laws. We are still bound by morality, um, but it's not because we're trying to keep the law. And, and last thing I'll say, last thing I'll say, sorry. Um, many times, if you look at the people who say you must keep the law versus the people who say you are not bound to keep the law of Moses, the people, and they want to use that as a pejorative and say, see, these people are lawless. They, they think you can go out and have drunk orgies and, you know, like do all kinds of bad stuff and drugs and like steal from people and rob people. That's what they're saying, right, guys? It turns out the people who say you aren't bound to keep the law actually do a better job of keeping that law than the people who say have to keep that law by not even trying. Like it's not their law. They're not trying to keep the law yet somehow they do a better job of keeping that law than the people who say you must keep that law. So we are not, that is not a call to lawlessness. All right, D, go ahead and respond, and then we'll get some other voices in here. So um, that is definitely my stance on it. Um, the other part was the prophecy part, because um, I guess the uh, verse, and I'm driving, so I can't really read the verse, but I guess it says for all to be fulfilled. So they put the law and the prophets together at the same time. So I want to, so I get the law aspect, like completely get that. But I guess my thing is, is that, well, what about the prophet side? So is that just two separate things or is that something that we have to consider? It, it would be like, like all, all the stuff the prophets say, like all the, um, you know, like all the instructions they would give, like maybe Chris has a go-to example, but like, you know, there's lots of things the prophets would say that aren't laws, but they would say like, you know, do this or like the remedy for something or like, Hey, do this, thus saith the Lord, or this will happen. Or, you know, like anything the prophets say that they would follow and like readily adhere to, um, that's all fulfilled. Like, you know, Jesus says, look, I, all the law and all the prophets are filled. So basically every single thing someone could possibly have a question about, just hand wave it away. The answer is put your faith in Jesus and all the law and all the prophets and anything else you could think of that would remotely be relevant. It's all fulfilled. Every jot, every tittle of everything. The law, the prophets, all of it. Chris, would you like to say anything? Well, I would have a question about that, right? In Matthew 5, 17, why is the strongest adversative in the Greek being used, right? He doesn't say that the law was done away with. The adversative in the Greek is Allah, the strongest adversative in the Greek, instead it remains. Right. Oh boy. So what's your question? Like no one's saying the law is done away with. No, no saying no, it's fulfilled. No, you literally quite you literally just had been citing Matthew five seventeen. But you said you said it was fulfilled, right? Pleroside. But if you read the passage in the original Greek, right? It uses the strongest adversative. It's not saying it was done away with. It's actually it's actually denying that. It's saying instead of it being done away with, it was fulfilled. Pleroside, right? In other words, it continues. No, no. That you're saying something. I, okay, so first of all, you're saying something I'm not saying. You're, you're saying by me saying it's fulfilled, it's done away with. I am not saying that. But then you're making your case. And you're going completely the opposite way, which funny enough, I don't know if you hear about, you know, like the devil may start with a little truth and then add stuff that's not. So you're OK. So the first thing to be clear by saying fulfilled, 
does not mean I'm saying done away with. So that's my position. It, okay. Fulfilled means in perpetuity. It's constantly there. It's constantly being applied. It's constantly being kept. And it's constantly being fulfilled by Jesus. So that's what I mean. Being fulfilled is it's done. It's completed. Nothing okay. to do with humans, though. Everything to do with Jesus keeping it, sustaining okay. it in perpetuity. But, but then you're saying uh, the complete opposite. Um, anyway, that's what I would say. So if okay. you're trying to say can, I'm saying one thing the, to the— Can you yep. read the Greek to me? I'm in the middle of a Fortnite battle. I don't immediately have yeah, the Greek Bible I know. Uh, you're, Bible you're more available. concerned with video games than the original <laughs> language. Than okay. Hang on. So there's no problem with the original language, which you just read three times and then bastardized it. So going to the original language, if you're going to mess it up, is of no value to anyone. So there's no confusion. The only confusion is what you're trying to say. So you're reading the text in the Greek. You just read it three times, right? You're, why in the Greek? Is it the, this, the, this, the, this? And then you take what I said and completely chop it up and make it mean something it's not. So it doesn't matter what language you're reading it in. You are taking a little bit of something true and mixing it in with wild leaps. Anyways, that's what's going on. By the way, I'm done with Fortnite. So it, it's not a problem or an unwillingness. It's like a willful ignorance on your part or misunderstanding. That's the problem. So, you know, what's up, Chris? You were going to say something a second ago. Oh, he's on a call. Uh, D, were you going to say something else? I actually have to go into work, but this is very invigorating uh, uh, conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, fulfilled does not mean abolished. I don't know how many times I can say that, right? Like, is this like the 10th time now? Like when Jesus says all the law and all the prophets, it's all fulfilled. And then everyone's like, you're saying it's abolished. I'm like, no, I'm not saying it's abolished. I'm saying Christ in perpetuity is keeping it. It's fulfilled. It's completed. There's nothing else that needs to be done. Christ has fulfilled the law. It is not abolished. It is not gone away with. Um, <laughs> So I don't know how many more times we can say that. Um, but then to say it is fulfilled, if, if you think fulfilled means it's not done away with, that's also a leap to say it's a call to keep it. That is also wildly wrong. Uh, what's up, McZed? Are you um, speaking? Yeah, I was curious. Um, is there any thought as to why it uses a sort of vague term like fulfilled rather than exempt, which is like a clear legal term that existed at the time? Uh, sorry, I was distracted. Say that one more time. The question is, uh, the Jews have a lot of legal terms, uh, specifically with regards to their laws, such as chayev, which means obligated, putter, which means exempt, uh, kosher, which means like proper. Um, why would it use the vague term fulfilled rather than um, a, a simpler or like, you know, a supplemental verse clarifying saying something like exempt. Well, as to why the Holy Spirit uh, inspired these people to use the words that end up being used. Um, who knows? I don't know their mind. I don't know, you know, what was well, going on are, in their you hearts. You are claiming to know their mind. One second. Hold, hold You're on. Saying... Wait, wait. Nope. There's a difference. I'm not claiming to know their okay. mind as to why they. I'm not claiming to know their mind as to why they use you know certain words or, or something like that. 
So, you know, if you want to talk about, uh, you know, like the five Greek words of right, love. Right, but now say why how you are saying you know their mind. Hold on. <laughs> are you so not going to say that? I will say that. I'll say it so, if you want. No, I will say it. I'm saying, are, are you going to, did you want me to answer? Or do you just want to tell me, do you know my mind now? Do you want to like read my mind? Or do you, okay, I'll go ahead and finish. Okay. So I'm not saying to know their mind as to why they use specific wording when they pin the scripture. What I am saying I know their mind for is why do they use a word like fulfilled? Because right. it's so simple. A the child of the word, should be able right? to understand this stuff. Well, to be clear, like other people showed up here and you seemed pretty sure that you had to like reiterate that fulfilled doesn't mean done away with. It instead means this other thing. Right. So it doesn't seem like the clearest term. I'm honestly perplexed. I don't know if someone else can can help. Cover well, let me put it this way. Well, well, Could it on. be if, fair wait. for me to say that I fulfilled the law and that that has nothing to do with your following of the law? Like, could I make that statement? Say that one more time. Sorry, my dog's eating stuff. Would it be reasonable for me to make the statement? I fulfilled the law, but. That, you know, has no testament as to whether or not you have to follow the law. Sure. I think that's not mutually right. exclusive right. to what we're talking about here. Correct. Correct. But, but the opposite reading. is true. It's not necessarily the right reading, but it's a reading a person can make. My question sure. is, if you want to claim that your reading is correct, that the fulfillment is actually commenting on everyone else's action that they no longer have to engage, my question is, why use the vague term? What's the insight we're supposed to gain from not using the obvious term that they should use, which is exempt? I have a great answer for this. So yeah, go ahead. One, I, I want to reiterate. This is not the answer I want to give now, but I want to reiterate first. The first answer, because the only people who manage to mess this up are people with an agenda and or cultists, just from, from evidence, just like watch thousands of hours of this in this room. Those are the only people who manage to mess up the law and the prophets and the fulfillment of scripture. The other answer I really want to give is <clears throat> a hand wave because Jesus talks about my sheep know my voice. And specifically, like, like th this relates to these type of conversations where kind of like Muslims are like, why is it so unclear? Why doesn't Jesus, why is he so vague? Why doesn't he just say, I am God, I am God. So why wouldn't it use a specific word in the question you're asking about now? Um, either the first answer, it's so easy, it shouldn't give anyone a problem, or they have an agenda. The other answer is there's a parable for this, right? So there's an app for that, there's a parable for this. The disciples, when he's talking about parables so much, they stop him and they say, Jesus, why are you speaking in riddles? Why do you speak in parables? Why don't you just speak plainly to these people? And Jesus says, I mean, it sounds kind of rough, but he says it, it's in the Bible. So if you want to criticize Jesus for something, this would be the time. He says, because it's God's good pleasure that it is hidden from some of these people. They are not meant to know this, but it's God's good pleasure to reveal it to the ones who are supposed to get it this way. My sheep know my voice. So if it uses some stuff that, you know, is, is a little vaguer than we would like and why it's not super specific, um, I would say, you know, as much as I'd like to say, I think you should understand this. I think it's reasonable. I don't think it should give you any trouble. I mean, you know, I'm not God. And there's a whole parable dedicated specifically to Jesus's sheep will hear his voice. And if it's confusing or ununderstandable, perhaps it's supposed to be because God is hiding it from them. I think so, I mean, understanding. I, I'm not. Oh. Uh, could you clarify why I think you're misunderstanding me? Uh, yes, because your whole 
your whole argument is predicated on why didn't it use a specific word that would seemingly do away with all this vagueness no, and all this confusion. Understanding me, or at least I think you are, because you're reiterating the thing that sounds like a misunderstanding to me. Well, I think it's the first time I said it, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I could be wrong. Go ahead. Yeah, I know. I I was inferring that you were misunderstanding me based on the nature of your answer. But regardless, the the nature of my question is not like uh, why doesn't the uh, verse use this one or the other. The nature of my question is the verse says a very specific term. It uses this language. It has some kind of goal it's trying to convey, but it says this specific thing. And what it says is this guy fulfilled the law. That is open to interpretation by anyone's definition. Now, you're claiming you're claiming that uh, God has informed you that the correct person, the correct person who truly is in line with the will of God will understand the true meaning. But your meaning, which you say is like obvious and anyone that like really listens to the voice will hear it, does not seem like the simple reading. I mean, like how can I know that you're the one listening to God and I'm not? Like, it sounds like you're just high handing me. Like, I read it. I'm pretty sure everyone else that reads it is not exactly certain that it means that they're not uh, obligated to follow the laws anymore. So why is it that you are so certain that your interpretation is the voice of God? Okay. I'm sorry. I've got you all wrong. Okay, so here is – hopefully I'll, I'll specifically speak to you. First of all, it's just a common understanding. This is no divine revelation from God um, that if you're not an Israelite, if you're a Gentile, this was never your law. So if, if that helps, like I'm not claiming some divine revelation. I'm claiming like human history. So any observant Jewish person or, or a secular person, it's not relegated to Jews, anyone that knows anything will say the law of Moses was never for Gentiles. If you wanted to like live around them and like work among them, you had to keep a couple, uh, like you had to keep a handful of laws, you know, like don't, don't murder and don't steal. And you, you had to keep some stuff. But this law was for the Israelites. So the stuff we're talking, the laws and the, the prophets and all this stuff, if you're not an Israelite, you were never part of this conversation. So that's, that's just the first one. So by the time people start talking about you being like the royal, just everyone has to keep these laws and stuff like that, they're already mistaken, not because of revelation, not because of God, but because of history. This is just not Gentiles' laws. Um, furthermore, to clarify how you know it, this, this is not, and I believe you know stuff is spiritually revealed, this is not one of those times, though. Like I mentioned earlier, read Galatians. I, I think it's Galatians 5 that really contrast the law and Jesus fulfilling the law and the law of the spirit, just everything you can want to know from the Christian 101 perspective about the law and why we're saying things isn't because we read Matthew and act like we have a step up and know exactly the correct interpretation. It's because we kept reading. So the answer to this question, unfortunately, it's going to take about a 30 minute read. Just read the entire book of Galatians, really starting around chapter four and chapter five. That's why we get this position from the Christian paradigm. So whether or not you believe it or not, that's why we make that case. So there you go. One, it's not our law. It was never our law. And two, read Galatians. Um, Zeb, would you like to respond? No. Is that acceptable, even if you disagree? It's what you said. Okay, I will... I hear that, not claiming divine inspiration, but I will hear that as you don't really agree with what I said, maybe because of reasons or you don't like it, but it's fair enough that you accept that as a position.
Michael, you have anything uh, to say? Or do you Nate, I can, um, yeah, I think the there are churches because I th think your the perspective of where um, Exeb is coming from. There are churches who actually say the law is done away with. Like that's why my question was there. Like why do people keep saying that the law is done away with? But I have heard that growing up and going to many different churches that the law is done away with and not necessarily the way you explained it. So um, that does provide clarity. And then my other question is, because I never actually asked this question or thought about it in this way. Um, are you saying that in this um, passage, he's talking to Gentiles or is he talking to Israelites? Because I know you just made a distinction between what, what laws refer to who. Uh, Matthew, so I believe, you... is written to a, I believe, I believe Matthew specifically is written to a Jewish audience. Uh, by the way, that's why okay. some of the Gospels sound different because they're written to different audiences. Some are Gentiles, some are – I believe Matthew is written to a Jewish audience. Um, that doesn't mean there's not like a Gentile that's ever going to be around to hear it. But I do have one more question. Um, Exed, um, what was the, the reason, I guess, for the kind of abrupt end, um, just for my own curiosity, was it because you don't have time to read Galatians right now? Because, I mean, it, it takes about 30 minutes for a read. Um, was it because of the Galatians thing or because the law of Moses was never for Gentiles? I'm just curious which one kind of put a – nail on that discussion you you're curious um why i stopped yeah yeah and i mean I, i'm not saying like let's continue and like you know beat down each other because sure. i actually have to I'll, go I'll, soon i'm I'll just curious you, like i'll tell you my my thinking and stopping <laughs> it seemed it seemed to me that um you're reading an ambiguous verse uh what would be considered objectively as ambiguous could be interpreted your way seems like a reasonable enough read could be interpreted other ways some, I think, are more reasonable than others. And I think that, you know, scholarship can debate it out. Um, I was asking you why you were, uh, uh, why you felt that your read was more accurate um, because you're clearly rejecting alternative reads, some of which I would argue are probably uh, more um, cooperative with the words and language surrounding it. But, you know, to be fair to you, you uh, leaned back on references to other versions of the text, which is good as a means to support this as a writing style. So like, you know, that's, that's a fair argument that, but that's not like what deterred me. Cause that wasn't the essence of my question. I, I wasn't asking if like you could um, justify this view that seems foreign to what I would consider a simple read. Um, the question was, what did you see as valuable? Meaning like within Jewish thought, sometimes there's the simple read and the more complicated read and the more complicated read is not rejected out of hand. It's sort of um, a request for parsimony, right? The, the Occam's razor is saying all things being equal, the simplest answer is the best. This, what I'm then identifying within you, from my perspective, is this an answer that is not simple. This is not the easiest way to understand it. But that's not to say that it's wrong. That's to say that it might be bringing other ideas that the simpler reading would not have. So I was curious if there was further insight that you saw within the ambiguity of this phrase that you saw as instructive. It didn't seem to me at a certain point that you did. It seemed that you were leaning on the interpretations of other Christians, and thus I wouldn't find many answers by continuing. I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and I guess, <clears throat> goodness, sorry, I'm coughing up a lung or whatever. But yeah, and I'll say, yeah, you know, for the record, I think Occam's Razor says all things being equal, the simplest answer is usually the right one. So, I mean, I appreciate Occam's for, for hedging a little bit. Um, I think that's reasonable. But I think, um, yeah, I appreciate your answer and thanks. And I would say uh, the only thing I would, I would, if this were to continue, which I, I don't have that much time, um, would be the difference in, you know, like a simple or complex reading 
because I would still argue like how simple is simple because I'm, I'm really uh, that you may say this is complex. I wouldn't, I would say a simple understanding. First of all, wouldn't be reading it. It's like the history, right? Like we just know Israelite law was not for Gentiles. So I would just say like history. Um, but then as far as the simplicity, I would say a simple reading. If you just stay in the context of, of Matthew and that, that grouping of scriptures, fine. But I'd say it's not a complex reading if you just continue reading, because when you get to Galatians, a very simple, simple, simple reading, just a straightforward reading, speaks to that. Um, so I don't know if you would say it's, it, it becomes complex when you read other things. But if you just simply read that and just straightforward read as it's written, um, that, that would get you to the answer. But no, anyway, I, I, I appreciate with, the response. I agree with that. Like, you're right. Like, um, for example, there's tons of things in the Torah that, like, look like one thing, but based upon references of other parts of the Torah, you have to look at it differently. Every work has to be taken on its terms, and you have to be um, submissive as a reader and take the work on its own terms. I agree with you on that, and which is why, like, you know, you're right. If, if, if what you're saying is true, that, like, in Galatians, it's going to be obvious that fulfill the law means that, then, you know, A, that's the perspective of the author of Galatians. Uh, but then, you know, if depending upon that uh, authority within Christianity, I can just, like, let's say it's a, uh, if um, Jesus himself, wrote Galatians, right? That's a certain type of authority. If Paul wrote it, that's a certain type. So I would check the authority of that and then say, okay, this is that guy's interpretation and how valid is that and what authority is he relying on? Uh, and then what like counter arguments if you really want to get into it. But like strictly speaking, if you're saying Galatians makes it all clear, then I'm saying, okay, there's a different work that if I rely and check the authority of that work, um, this then will make perfect sense in the way that you're reading it, which is possible. So, you know, I just don't know. Yeah, no, the greatest point you've made this whole thing, and it's not its not like a point against you or anything, I genuinely appreciate it, is just how you said you, when reading Torah, you need to be submissive to the scripture. That yes. is a great point. And I think that's true that of would Shakespeare, be my, that, true of Melville. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I think that's true of like anyone who wants to be a, you know, just reasonable person. <laughs> like, I think it's very common sense. And, you know, someone once said common sense is so rare, it should be considered a superpower. So I, I think I'm going to steal that from me if I can, or borrow it or adopt it. Um, because with Christianity, you would say this is for your beliefs and, you know, anyone can say this, right? It's not, it's not for Christianity. It's like just a general human point that yes, when you're reading something, you're trying to get the true meaning, be yes. submissive to the thing you're reading. And, you know, if you're reading complete rubbish, like it's demonstrable and there, there's stuff to like dispel it or whatever, that doesn't bar you from being submissive and at least getting the full immersion of the point, the thing right. you're like reading I, is trying to make. Galatians, and I agreed with you that Galatians supports your reading. The ultimate end would be the author of Galatians seems to confirm what Nate is saying, right? I wouldn't say that Galatians is then divine unless I had some other reason to say such a thing. Right. So I, I think that's going to be my answer when people want to push back against it. I mean, for me, for, for me, you it is definitely part of your business definitely be incorporating that any work of literature must be taken under the standard rules of literature on the terms of the work. And and I should say, in consideration of the audience that is it is being produced for. Those are the like main components you have to do when approaching any literary work. And if you ignore it and you just say, well, no, here I am, you know, uh, guy in indiana in the year 2047 and this book sounds stupid to me you're an asshole like you're not reading a book yeah and it's like i mean you know there's there's a book that we all often bring up it's i mean it's a book called how to read a book but you know it, it's all the stuff you said um you know about like, i hear you know, it's really you, you difficult do, to read that book 
<laughs> like, like you need to, you should submit to that book. Um, you know, you need to read it like grammatically, historically, but Herman, you know, like all the, the way you need to read it is all these things, but specifically like submit to the text because it, it, it yes. like puts it in a nutshell and I like nutshells. It, um, all hermeneutics it, it, in a it is submitting to the text on the text's terms. Yes, I like that point. So to make, well, you have to consider it this way and that way and that way. Just like submit to the text. Done. <laughs> Good. Um, let's see. Steph, is your meeting over? Keep that up. Soon you'll have some laws. It is, yes. <laughs> anything to say about this or anything else? Oh, no, I was zoning out. What are we? I'm sorry. I'm sure it was interesting. Just say yes. Um, yeah, all right, anyone have final thoughts fine, on that? Don't worry about it. All right, on that note, my time here is done. Everyone have an awesome day, and I guess we'll see you probably tomorrow. Take care, guys. Cheers.